This is Derwin, and I want to welcome you to another installment of Pandemic Perspectives. And with me today is an old friend from my publisher days named Nick Oaks. Nick, Nick, thank you for joining. Thank you for having me, Derwin. Always a pleasure to be here. And I want to get your pandemic story, sir. So a little thing happened in the March of 2020. What was that like for you? Well, um, let's just go back to the beginning. Uh, when March of 2020 began, I was working at Old National Center, which is basically the modern name for the Murat Theater in downtown Indy, which is kind of just a live event venue. Um, okay. I was, I'd been working there since I want to say July of 2019, right up till when the pandemic hit. And, you know, we watched the, it, it's kind of like watching the storm roll in over the oh, horizon. Yeah. You know, we, we saw the news articles and we saw the news coverage of the pandemic, like in Europe. I remember talking with you specifically and you were like, oh no, this is going to get bad. Yeah. Like you, cause you were like following what was happening in Italy and France and places like that. It's like, oh, when that gets here. We're going to be screwed. And, um, we, uh, we tried for like maybe five days at the, at the old, at the theater to like adapt, like where we wore masks and we wore gloves and we tried to like wipe everything down that didn't last long because you have to understand for anyone obviously who's not in Indianapolis and has an intrinsic knowledge of what the Murat theater is. This is basically a little old building, an old like downtown theater palace. One of those that can house like 4,000 people at a night or more for depending on how many events you have going on at the different venues in the actual building itself. And as a result, the CDC kind of frowned on having four or 5,000 people in a little old building in downtown Indianapolis. A little um, bit. So they shut us down. And as far as I'm aware, the place was shut down basically right on through like the third or fourth quarter of 2021. It's funny because I actually went back there for a show that I'd gotten tickets for a long time ago in like uh, in I want to say May of this year and it was yeah. pretty much back to normal but it's just weird how you know you go by, but I won't get into that but basically it's visiting just, home again for yeah, it's, it's, it's visiting home after it's not home anymore it's like mm -hmm. oh a different family has moved in here I still and or like it's like visiting a hotel where the management has changed but you still know the staff exactly because I, I recognize a lot of the people but it's like I don't work here anymore and I haven't worked mm -hmm. here in like two years yeah, so, I get that. So but, when the Murat closed down, what was your next move? Well, immediately after the Murat closed down, I didn't really have a next move. I actually kind of just sort of sat around for about seven or eight days. Hey, and that's what just, we all did. Yeah, I think I, I, I sort of sat on my hands and was like, well, what next? Am I even going to want to go out of the house to work? Um, but just by happenstance, my dad, who is a bus driver, like a school bus driver, um, he was driving for a town called Noblesville, which is up in sort of the northeast suburbs of Indianapolis. For those, again, for those of your listeners who may not be aware. Um, and uh, he said, well, he told me that he had heard through a work friend that the Meyer, which is like a, like a Midwest supermarket chain that was in that city, in that town, uh, was down like 100 employees. Wow. Just because, because of, well, because of what they needed for the pandemic, because they needed people specifically to like, um, you know, clean at night, uh, you know, wipe stuff down. This is again, this is the height of the pandemic. This is like the first or second week of, of the shutdown, quote unquote, yeah. uh, you know, TMs copyrighted. Um, so well, they, for context at the time, we all thought back then that this was the stand and they were claiming that we're going to have like 10 million deaths 
by yeah. in America by June of 2020, right? Yeah. Like the models, and, and that's not to say anybody was, science is always evolving. And mm-hmm. so that was just the best information we had at the time. And so I remember seeing the grocery stores quickly empty out and stuff. Yep. And so that must have really affected you working at the grocery store. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was kind of lucky where I was because I was actually put into the deli. I talked with, I want to say his name was Mike. There's a gentleman named Mike who was like the, the who, I, who I basically interviewed with like the first week that I that I went in because they were so, they were so desperate for people, um, which we can get into later if you'd like. But um, he put me in the fresh section, which is basically where the produce, the bakery, and the deli are, and then the meat, and the meat department too, uh, meat and seafood that is. And I was working in the deli for basically the whole time I was there. And for those first, I want to say six months or so, maybe five, four, maybe closer to four or five. But for those four, four, first four or five months, I was basically working in the, in the deli. So I, w- I would either be slicing meat on the like, you know, those funny machines they have that slide back and forth. And like, you have yeah. to be careful so you don't chop, slice your fingers off on the spinning blade. Yeah. Um, or I would be in the hot side making, you know, fried chicken or like chicken tenders. Um, eventually they opened the hot side back up a little bit. So there was like macaroni and cheese and stuff like that. But it was basically, it's just a, it's just a, it's just a, it's a deli environment inside a supermarket. Sure. And, you know, sometimes you would have to deal with annoying people because there'd be people who'd be impatient. But it's like, you realize that, you know, we have to wear hairnets. We have to put on fresh hairnets every day. We have to take the time to, to take off our gloves and wash our hands and stuff like that. So be patient with us, folks. Of course, this is retail in America, so not everyone wanted to be patient. But... Retail in America, pre-vaccine pandemic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone, everyone was a little tense. I mean, it was even... thundered. Uh, yeah, it was it was a very tense time. Every, I think that's how I'll put it. Everyone was a little tense. Even the people who were nice, you could sense there was some tension in them. Because it's like, well, hell, <laughs> we're in this. During a contentious election season where we just had a bunch of race riots. <laughs> like, there it was, was, 2020 was tense. Like, yeah, this, the, I want to say the like late spring, to early summer of 2020 is probably as close to the late 60s as we've gotten as ter- in terms of like a boolea base of different problems in this country. So... Working in a supermarket, we were like front face front with people who were like the public. Yeah, that was a unique experience. And yeah. I'd been doing I'd been doing retail for several years by then because I you know I worked in Best Buy for for almost four and a half years from like all through undergrad. Basically, the whole time I was IUPUI when yeah. we met, I was working at a Best Buy in uh, Carmel, which is basically on the other side, the north side of Indianapolis. So how long and did you work at the Meyer? I worked at the Meyer from, I want to say, late March of 2020 to late May of 2021. So just about 14 months. While you were there, because I'm sure, because I remember just how terrifying all that was. And so, like, I I rarely went inside any, I, I didn't mm-hmm. go out very much, right? Because I'm lucky I've got one of those work from home gigs. Yep. And having to go out into the world pre-vaccine uh first of all it must have been scary because mm-hmm. i would have been terrified and i've done all sorts of crazy shit and how was it were, were people often getting sick at the mire was covid a real issue was it i mean i it, not that it wasn't a real issue but you know what i mean was it like were you guys often having people out with covid it's kind of hard to say at this point because you know for one thing, you got to realize, like as as a corporate like retail 
employer, they wouldn't always tell us when someone was like, when someone was gone, especially if they weren't sick with COVID. Like if someone was sick with COVID, they would let us know for the sake of contact tracing. But you know, you would have people go out sick just for the sake of, of safety. This is back when they, when everyone still thankfully took it seriously enough that like if you had some chest pain or coughing, you could basically say, hey, can I like take a couple days just to make sure just to get tested and make sure this isn't something serious? And they'd be like, yes, please don't yes. get anyone else sick. Yeah. Um, Obviously, what nowadays, it's, time. <laughs> yeah, back 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 when that back when employers actually took this seriously and it wasn't like, oh, I actually have like a fever and I'm dying. Okay, can you still show up for work? Just wear a mask. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> how it is nowadays. But yeah, well, yeah. You no, know, back then, you know, I actually had a couple times myself where I would like have, and I think it was just stress, thankfully, but I would have like chest pains and like some heart difficulty breathing, and yeah, I would just I, I would stay home for like a couple days and. It was just taken as a matter of course because, like you know, like you said, it's it's, it's a serious it's a serious gig. You know, yeah. we don't want we don't want to get other people at the work sick because then you screw over the whole business. But you also don't want to get customers sick. You don't want to you don't want to get yourself worse sick. It's a very like it's a very sort of it's, you're trying to balance a lot of needs. And, by, you know, like you guys, you know, we're an important piece of the critical infrastructure that kind of kept the country moving. Right. Yeah. If no one's working at the grocery store, what I, I what am I gonna eat? Right. Like, oh, yeah. My little zucchini farm in the backyard ain't really gonna cut it. So uh, it's a little tiny plot of zucchini I'm growing. I'm trying to teach myself how to grow food. But make some zucchini bread. That's good stuff. There you go. But yeah, no. So I kind of look at it like, you know, there's, of course, the healthcare workers that really got punched in the face. And then like you had the second tier, which was like the teachers and first responders mm-hmm. and police. And then like you guys at the grocery store, yep. you know, you guys were all kind of this forward front facing member of the public uh, of the pandemic. And it was you did really important work. I know it sounds trivial work because i've worked at a grocery store i understand but then like i didn't work at a grocery store during a pandemic i sat my happy ass home the whole time so you did good man yeah um, thank you for that so when i started at meyer in march of 2020 um they they actually did something really nice for us which a lot of people were doing a lot of businesses were doing at the time which was let me call it what it was call it what it is hazard pay they paid us um they didn't call it that, of course. They call it um, all the. A lot of businesses call it like you know. I can't even remember what they call it that because it's obviously been like two and a half years. Almost. You could call it hazard pay. That's yeah. That's pretty. Accurate. Yeah, that's basically what it was. They called it something nicer. It was like you know, hey, this is kind of a, this is kind of a thank you for for doing this essential job during a time of yeah, tribulation. Essential worker pay. Yes, exactly. That's that's exactly what it was. A lot of yeah. a lot of essential worker positions that you mentioned, you know, before got that pay basically as a thank you and yes as a way to say hey you're putting in a little extra effort during this time or no one wants to be out interacting (laughs) with other humans so take this as a a bonus and you know it it, it helped because it made it made pay a little more competitive it was able i was able to get some more stuff like groceries and things um well and i mean like in april 2020 a third of the country is unemployed yeah so like yeah you know (laughs) I think I think the only people who are working you know, that I dealt with on a regular basis at Meyer. Anyway, I'm not saying this what was the case totally you know, nationwide, but it seemed like the only people who were really working were 
us folks working at the Meyer and the Instacart people who would come in and like buy groceries to deliver to like to drop off on people's front porches with no like me yes yes (laughs) and i i say more power to them there were some great folks because you know they'd come in and they just you know silently efficiently go mostly silently and efficiently go about their business they you know say that we'd get to know them because they'd be in like every day you know they'd they'd be more regular than most of our the most like regular customers ever would be in in under normal under normal circumstances and um yeah, it was basically just a rhythm. I mean, there's there's always going to be stress in a job like that. I'll say that because, you know, there, we'd have days where there'd be, or like for hours on end, there'd be like 10 or 12 people lined up waiting to get meat sliced. Oof. And I'm the kind of person who I, when I'm under stress, I just like, like intense. So yeah. like when I'm, when I'm like, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm like on the clock, not like, you know, in and in 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 not to mean the way that it was like when you're, working like when you're on the clock isn't like you're being timed and you gotta you gotta go 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 i'm just looking for when i can have my next breather and yeah. when that doesn't come it's it's stressful but you know that, that understandably so you know yeah. like everybody kind of finds their own it's pressure to perform basically exactly and 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 not every job is good for everybody like i knew guys in the army that were like fantastic combat medics and not the best soldiers, right? You look at somebody like, oh, you would have been great at college and you should have been in college and joined the football team there or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're, you know, like fantastic people, but soldiering, by soldiering, I mean like there's, you know, the uniform always looks good and the haircut's always good and all the, the, the little things here and there. The stuff that doesn't get shown in the movies. Exactly. The, the, the day-to-day minutia of soldiering. And... The 95% of the job that isn't like cinema worthy. The boring stuff. The Oh, his haircut's an inch and a half too long. That sort of boring shit. So, you know, and my, and, 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 and so this job, while being good to put food on your table and to put food on other people's table, mm-hmm. uh, not your uh, career life path. Mm-hmm. And so let's fast forward to more modern times. You study at John Hopkins University. Tell me about that. Well, it's for that, I'll go back a step as well, because basically to explain how I got to Johns Hopkins, um, I have to explain what I wanted to do that led to that, Mm -hmm. because it's actually kind of a winding path. It actually goes back as far as I want to say the spring of 2018. So this would have been my last semester at IUPUI. Okay. I listened to this book. And I can tell you what this book is if you ever want to look it up, because I would re- I'd actually would recommend it to you, and I would recommend it to a lot of your readers who just are interested in sci-fi and like mystery and stuff like that, because it's a great story. That's another. That's time. To, I'll, I'll get to. I'll get into that later if you want. But basically, the gist of it is this book was it's hard science fiction, so it deals with like a mine, like a, a helium mining colony on the moon, in like fifty years from now. It's, in mm-hmm. fact, exactly fifty years if I remember correctly, and. But, but reading it and listening to it on Audible, which is what I was doing, which is what I've done with most books in the past few years, um, it really got me into like actual science, like aeronautical science. I was like, you know, why, would, why can't I do this? Um, because I've, I've always been passionate about it. I've always loved space. I've always loved space science. I mean, what kid didn't want to grow up and be an astronaut? You know, I yeah. just sort of was thinking this now when I was like, I guess, 24. 
instead yeah. of you know, four years old, I was 24. <laughs> well, um, you know, <laughs> and I mean, basically, everyone's a four-year-old at some point. Yeah, I mean, you've always got you've always got that inside you. Know? I maybe not. I didn't necessarily want to go to space, but mm. I thought you know maybe I could like do science, like teach science, you know, be a scientist, you know, study stuff, yeah. um, help, help help give to the world some of the scientific knowledge that I love reading about so much. Well, to make a long story pretty short, that didn't pan out. And the real reason that didn't pan out is because everywhere I looked about maybe going back to school for say, you know, in, for say some sort of aerospace engineering or planetary science, or even just basic astronomy, which, you know, saying basic astronomy is kind of a misnomer by any, by any stretch. Um, well, there's anything, different levels and degrees yes, but of I mean, study. You find out pretty quick, like when, as soon as you start researching, like where you might want to go to graduate school for astronomy, there's lots of, there's calculus, there's mm. coding, there's lots of things involved that basically, again, to get back to what I was, what I was, what I was the point I was making is that they would have, all of these paths would have involved doing another undergrad degree. And I really did not want to do that. Because I had just gone, the first one already. Yeah. I had just taken six years to get one undergraduate degree. <laughs> That's a long And time. I, yeah. And I did not want to start. Yeah, exactly. I did not want to start over and on top of everything else, incur more debt. Because one thing that I will say now uh, ahead of time before I get into the Johns Hopkins story more specifically is that the beauty of the Johns Hopkins thing that I'm doing is I'm only taking one course per semester, which means that I can pay for them in installments, like on a payment plan and actually have it be affordable more or less. You know, it's still it's still not cheap. Because I mean, this is Johns Hopkins we're talking about. Yeah, it's, it's it's graduate school at Johns Hopkins, but world class university. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. But um, it's 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 more affordable than say taking two or three courses at a time and doing full time and getting and yes, having access to financial aid, but then as a result, accruing another two maybe tens of thousands of dollars worth of loan debt that I'll have to pay oh. off in the future. Because I've already got some of that stuff. It's sort of I'm just sitting on. And I'm waiting until I can start paying it off when I have a more decent job and the actual repayment starts because my benefit has been basically that ever since I graduated college, I was on for not, no, it's not, uh, it's like, it's like not the, it's the, uh, deferment deferment. Yes. I was on deferment basically right up until the pandemic started. And then they said, Oh, well, we're going to defer them some more because we don't want people to have to pay student loan debt while they're going through a pandemic. So I, I, <laughs> I basically lucked out in the utmost. I guess it's taking a step back the way I got into Johns Hopkins or the way I found my way to that is I started thinking, you know, well, Nick, if you're not going to take take the, the, the punches on the nose, as you, as you might say, to do, to do science itself, what's the next best thing? And I immediately thought, well, I love writing and I love communicating about science. You know, basically when I watch Cosmos or some show on Discovery about the universe, the next thing I do is go tell all my friends about it, you know, and I try and communicate it to them in a way they can understand. Because obviously One some of these- One thing I love about your writing is the denseness, the density of the scientific background, the actual facts, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, you, your science fiction, your military science fiction, the emphasis is on both the military and the science, right? Because you've studied both intensely. You know, my military science fiction is big M military, small S science. Because <laughs> I did the soldier thing 
and I had like three science classes I got C's in in college. <laughs> so I always really appreciate that about your work. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. It means a lot coming from you because again, you know, just one thing that I've always that I always appreciated about working with you when we still when we still did work together is that you brought military knowledge to the table because basically everything I ever learned about the military I learned from watching those movies that Hollywood has made to try and make it seem cool and fun and you know or maybe reading books and stuff you know I, I was the nerdy kid I was the like World War II geek who was reading Band of Brothers in high school while, while other kids were like you know watching um, High School Musical or something um, exactly but I digress um, anyway back to John Hopkins yeah for sure um, so I eventually did, I did some research and I found there's a, basically an entire field called science writing, which is for lack of a better description, it's basically just what it sounds like. It's, you're doing science, it's, it's more journalism than say fiction writing, obviously, because basically what you're doing based on what I've studied at the, at the university and what I've been doing in my current internships is, um, you, you interview scientists or you like read a scientific paper or both or maybe some combination of that and doing research on the internet and you compile that data that you've gathered about a specific subject say um, the possibility that a large one of the things I'm writing about right now one of the possibility that a large-scale volcanism in Venus's past similar to the large-scale volcanism in Earth's past that caused mass extinctions um, if it was, if it happened large enough and like over long enough period of time, and maybe in several places at once on the planet, it may have caused the heat death of Venus, which is basically what that basically means is, you know, um, scientists now believe that Venus was once wet and temperate, similar to how Earth is, at least, you know, maybe a couple billion years ago. So but Venus was like Earth, but then volcanoes happened yes. and now not like Earth. Yes, that's exactly it. It's called the they call, they call it the GCT, the Great Climate Transition. That's the Got it. the NASA, the science, the science term. And basically, what that means is that although Venus may have again been wet and temperate for as long as a couple billion years, it may have even had life before we did. Mm -hmm. um, some event happened in its past that causes it to be the hottest most acidic planet in the solar system. You know, it's like hot enough on the surface to melt lead. It's got an atmosphere 90 times the density of Earth's that's like mostly carbon dioxide, runaway greenhouse effect. Yeah. And one of the theories that a group of sci that the scientists that I'm working with on this article uh, has, you know, has proposed and is working, and like done, they've actually done studies and done the research to suggest this and back up the theory or back up the idea is that... Um, well, maybe these, what they call large igneous provinces or the eruptions that cause large igneous provinces, which are, just to try, again, try and break this down. This is something that I've been working on that I've had to spend a lot of time on recently. And it kind of, pay, it kind of plays into the Johns Hopkins stuff. And I find it interesting. But um, if you, like, let's say you've got a, it's a large igneous province isn't like what most people think of when they think of volcanic eruption. When most people think volcanic eruption, they think Mount St. Helens. They think, sure. boom. You know, but uh, a large igneous province is more similar to Mauna Kea or something like that in uh, Hawaii, where it just erupts and like bubbles out, not thick lava for, for a long time. With one major difference, Mauna Kea on Hawaii or something similar to that, like a big shield volcano, may erupt for a couple months at most on average, maybe a couple years if it's like a bad time. Yeah. A large igneous province eruption, 
will erupt like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Cuban cubic kilometers of material over the course of tens or even hundreds of thousands of years. Interesting. So it's like basically you get these regions, like basically a region the size of like well, like the one of the provinces or like one of the like like the Siberian states in Russia, right. like a region that size that basically erupts lava for like a hundred thousand years. Got it. And as it's doing yeah. that, it's also pumping uh, greenhouse gases into the atmosphere like nobody's business. And as a result, you get a runaway greenhouse effect. And the theory that this um, the scientist that I'm working with has put has put forward is that. Basically, if several of these events happen in coordination, like within a million years of each other, which we know can happen because they've shown that it can happen on Earth, it's caused max, it's caused things like the Permian mass extinction in Earth's past. Um, you um, you can get the heat death of Oral, which ba- which is basically, in other words, is the Great Climate Transition, which um, might have been what happened to Venus. So Venus again. Could have been just it could have been a lot like her it would have been different because there's, there's a chance that it might have had the very long rotation where its day is like 243 earth days long or something um long but there's day. also yeah there's but there's a chance that it may have been wet and had oceans and had rain and had a, you know a climatic cycle now all it has is sulfuric acid clouds and very hot temperatures basically that is bad yeah so, you know, doing something like that, covering that sort of topic, that's basically what science journalism is. And I, I forgot how smart you are. <laughs> I'm just listening. I'm like, wow, just a, just a fountain of knowledge, this guy. Um, okay. So you've been working in science journalism for a minute. Yep. Um, how long, when did you start at John Hopkins? I, st- I actually only started a year ago. This is, I'm only like finishing my first full year. Because okay. I, t- I, I took the fall semester of 2021, so like August to December of 2021, the spring semester of 2022, obviously th- this year, which is January to, I want to say, May of this year, yeah. um, which is my second course. And then I, I took the summer course, it was actually an internship credit. So I didn't have to take a course over the summer, I just got to do the internship, which is really beneficial because I could focus on the internship and still work a little bit on the side to bring in some extra money. How long now, this, do you see yourself at John Hopkins? Um, going on the current model, uh, if we, if, if you will, where I'm taking one course per semester so I can afford it, um, I'll probably be there until summer of 2024. Unless something happens where I maybe take extra courses per semester, like if I get some tuition help from, say, yeah. an employer um, who wants me to like finish my degree so I can come work for them. Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Read? What's happening? Am I dead? I bet you like zombie books. I like food. Do you have food? You don't need food at dividedbyzerobooks.com. It's full of nutrient-rich science fiction. Ugh, I'm stuck in an ad, aren't I? Once I stop talking, reality will collapse until someone plays the sad again. This isn't the first time we've had this discussion, and it won't be the last. Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? And now we are back from that ad break. Nick, you were going to tell me how you were hoping that you might get an employer to pay for your 
graduate degree so you could accelerate your studies. Yep. Now you have an awesome internship. Tell me all about that. Well, that's actually one of the places or maybe the main place that I'm looking to get employed and it is the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA. NASA. Um, I, it, you know, there, it's funny, there's a friend of mine in the internship who was part of the social media team at the Office of Communications, which is where I work, which is basically the, like, they're sort of, it's not quite public relations, but it's similar. It's basically part of NASA or the part of any NASA center that communicates their findings and their studies and their research. Public facing. Public, public facing, yes. It's basically, it, it basically is PR and all mm -hmm. the name. And it's, the only difference is that PR is more like talking with the public. We do a lot of writing and like making posts and things like that. Like if you were to get on, there's actually, you, you, like, you know, you're, 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 viewers or your, or your listeners or whoever can get on and find this and i recommend it actually because these i've worked with these folks there's like a nasa goddard instagram page there's a nasa goddard youtube channel and they put out content that basically says hey this is what goddard space flight center which is where i work which is where i intern specifically is doing this is stuff we're doing and um one of my friends was part of it was or three of them actually from the internship three fellow interns were part of a like intern takeover day a few weeks back where they did low they answered like a, or it was like a, a, a question and answer like and ask me anything on, on instagram on instagram stories that's so cool yeah and one of them was like um the like one of the questions was how did you get an internship at nasa and she was she basically responded well i basically just applied for an internship and they reached out to me and said i they wanted to have me and just you know and it really was that simple because I, for me, it was almost like fire and forget. I basically fired off a couple of internship applications on the website. And then like the, like the first week of May or maybe the last week of April, I got a call from the guy who's now my main like over, like over like um, supervisory mentor. Um, and he said, hey, we'd like to talk to you about this internship. Would, would you like to talk with us? And I was like, um, yeah. I'd love to, thank you. Yes. And, you know, I, I talked through, I talked with him and with my main mentor, Bill, and I've been working, I work through stuff like, you know, I do paperwork, obviously, you know, you're, you're plenty familiar during with how the federal government works, there's lots of paperwork, there's lots of um, stuff, so, you know, they basically had to make sure where they had to say several times, well, this isn't an official offer of, of um, the internship, but we are, we are, we are interested, so we want you to continue doing this stuff so you can get ready. This is us saying we haven't told you no yet. Yes. <laughs> it's basically the way I like to describe it is they, they act like they, they, it's like playing coy with like someone you're trying to date. You they basically act like, well, we're not going to tell you that you're you're actually got the internship until you've got the internship. And then we're, <laughs> then we're going to be like, you had it all. You had it all along. You know, <laughs> it was the friends you made along the way. Um, and uh yeah, I uh, I went to I drove up to Cleveland in early like the like the first full week of June I want to say like June was like June sixth or rather the weekend before June sixth my dad and I drove up to Cleveland and stayed with my cousin and her husband who live just on the northeast side of the city right you know, not too far from the ocean from the ocean from the, from the lake thankfully. Um, we got to visit. We got to visit some places in Cleveland, have some fun, and we drove to the Glenn Research Center. And I got my badge on the seventh, 
and I was working that week. I was I was doing internship stuff that week. Like you know, for it was kind of slow going at the beginning because you know you have to work through a lot of hey, this is learning the ropes. These are orientation meetings you have to attend. But I've basically been doing stuff. Then it's it's funny. Um, this is actually the last week of the summer internship, and I am um, just prepping to start getting ready for the fall internship, which will start either the first one of the last weeks of August or maybe one of the first weeks of September. Mainly depends. And this is on, a paid internship. Oh yeah, it's got it's got a very nice stipend. So nice. yeah, it's, it's they they take care of us. It's, it's nice. very nice. Yeah, because that I mean. It, and I won't get into the vagaries of the whole unpaid internship problem with each country faces nowadays. A lot of people. The feds are pretty good about paying oh, yeah. internships. Like, yeah. like there's one of the many, one of the big unions that's kind of left in the country is the federal government. It, it, you know, there's a union yeah. that sets all the rules, and you you apply to basically what they're doing nowadays for for most of the jobs. Anyways, you'll apply to a general job that says it's at headquarters. But then when you go into the actual application on like these on like these, the site that shoots you to from usajobs.gov, you can fill out what sites you like, what um, locations you'd be interested in working. And I chose basically all of them, like you know, Kennedy Space Center in Florida, Houston, uh, you know, Johnson Space Center in Te- Houston, Texas. Uh, obviously Goddard because I could work with people that I know. Um, there's Ames Research Center in California. There's a bunch of different places. The world and is your oyster. Yes, exactly. So this puts in the door. Yeah. (laughs) And obviously I've got a second internship. Um, And there's a couple pathways I can go from that. There's literally a, there's actually, as a matter of fact, a program called Pathways. There's a NASA Pathways program. Yep. Which. um, I've heard of this. Yes. And basically what that is, is it's, it's, it's an internship, but it's a little more, I won't say intense because that makes it sound like the work is more intense. I don't think that's necessarily the case. But it's more intended specifically for people who want to work at the agency. Basically, what you do is you have to work a certain number of hours before you graduate. And when you graduate, they basically say, hey, come and work for us. It's, it's, that's why they call it Pathways, because it's a pathway to employment at the agency. Um, so that's one opportunity. I'm going to because that, that will be opening up uh, positions for like application here, I think, in only September, according yeah. to the meeting they had earlier this week and another opportunity according to my to, to Wade the mentor who actually reached out to me for the you know very very first the very first guy I spoke with at NASA um, or one of the first um, is uh, I could possibly this chance I could get a full-time job while I'm doing the degree like if I basically if I because one thing that I'll, I'll mention is that I have to drive out or probably fly out honestly to the DC area and visit Greenbelt to get my badge. Yeah, so I'm going to have to get on a plane here in the next couple of weeks <laughs> and head out there to visit the facility and get my badge. Because apparently, for all there, like the security office wants all all interns to visit the center to get their badge this time. I was able to go to Glenn and do it for the spring for the summer, but they're changing the rules again for the sake of security. I guess. You got to go to where it, it. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so I'm gonna uh, probably make a trip of it. Maybe visit some museums or something, or maybe visit a museum. Or we whatever. have a friend in common who has driven through DC several times, and he said that it was much like going trying to drive around through DC is kind of like sitting in a parked car in a full parking lot, mm-hmm. and then just staying there. <laughs> like, 
So uh, I've never had the pleasure. I've flown through DC once or twice. Uh, yeah, pl- building plenty of time to get around, apparently. Yeah. The good news is, um, as of right now, uh, I, I think they're moving at some point in the future, but not for a while. My okay. mom's brother, so my uncle and his yeah. wife, live in Damascus, Maryland. So okay, not too close necessarily. I don't, and uh, you know, we'll just have to see. But yeah, because because I, you know, the the, the the kind of someone I think again Wade, the, the mentor that I mentioned, broached the idea that maybe I could get the the badge renewed virtually and i kind of and even though it was pretty it became clear later on that wouldn't be an option i kind of wanted to go go visit anyway because according to him one thing i can do when i visit is introduce myself to the hiring managers not a terrible idea yeah so that maybe i could get my foot even further in the door yeah because that way like as i was saying i could get a full-time job doing science writing while i'm finishing the degree so i could be doing what i'm wanting to do and what I'm studying while I'm finishing the degree to do it. And then, you know, once, once I finish the degree, I'm already basically where I want to be and I'd be set. There you go, sir. Okay. You know, obviously the, the goal at this point is to do science writing as a, as a day job and keep doing the science fiction writing as a hobby. Now tell me, where are you? We'll, we'll, we'll end on this. Where are you in your science fiction writing, sir? What blog can they find your work at? All right, that blog will be is called um, the Spacers Saga. That's all one word, obviously, because that's URL. The space right. the, the Okay. And I need to update that more than I do because my I'm very much of the habit to just write and not actually do like the upkeep of the blog, which is kind of a no no if you're actually trying to get yourself noticed and get some attention on your stuff. It took me years to figure out what to do with a website it took me about i've paid for a website for five years and just toyed with it and played with it and i didn't know what to do with it and then i finally slowly over time these things piecemeal at a time you'll get there and and i just wanted to say how proud of you i am because i remember before the pandemic and all that you were searching for your path still and then i'm like wow this guy he's He's gonna be really fucking something, you know. He's gonna go somewhere, and 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 right now he's still baking. The cake is baking in the oven, and then, man, when that cake's finished cooking, holy shit, he's gonna be awesome. And well, you I remember were well on your way to living up to the impressive potential that we all saw in you. And I want to thank you for coming on. Yep. Um. Uh. And. and f- and I want to thank you for sharing your pandemic story. I want to thank you for being Absolutely. a good friend. Thank you very much for your time, Bill. And I'm always glad to hang out with you. It's amazing how far that guy's come. Tune in next week, Monday morning at 0700, where we check back in with Nick. And he goes further in depth with the job of science writing. <laughs>